Welcome to Grain Talk, a podcast by Grain Farmers of Ontario. This is Megan McKimmy. And I'm Rachel Telford. We are joined today on our podcast with Rory O'Sullivan, uh, and he is joining us from Grain Discovery, and that's an initiative that Grain Farmers of Ontario has been working with um, around blockchain. But I guess to start off, Rory, can you just give us a bit of a background about yourself and uh, who you are? Sure. So, yeah, my name's Rory O'Sullivan. I'm the, um, I suppose, the CEO of, of Grain Discovery. As you can tell from my accent, um, I'm from Australia. My lovely... Canadian wife brought me to these uh, far-flung lands four years ago. And, um, yeah, so, you know, I'm from a farming background in Australia, um, wheat, sheep, beef, cattle property. I'm in northwest Victoria. Um, I've always been involved in primarily the grains and the oil seeds industry. Um, so as any kid on a farm starts off, you know, they start off popping out the farm and working at the local elevator, then... Um, since you know the last 18 years, I've been kind of working for both uh, Australian uh, grain trading companies and also like international grain trading companies. And what kind of brought me to Canada, apart from my wife, was I was working for the Canada Pension Plan Investment Board (CBPRB), mm-hmm. and I was just running the uh, commodity trading desk, so um, uh, futures trading out of Chicago and softs trading out of uh, New York. So yeah, and I um, I left that, and um, I thought it was kind of the timing was was kind of right for you know like uh, for an online trading kind of platform uh, to exist. So I had a, a previous job I worked at in Australia um, was kind of really the, the real pioneers of online trading in like in Australia, and um, so I kind of I thought you know the, the concept of that could work very well here in North America and obviously when you work at a large pension fund like CPP I met many other kind of um, great kind of smart other people and um, my other co-founder uh, Rory Hannison he was actually um, uh, he he actually founded the blockchain group at CPPIB and another co-founder, Peter Vincent, he's uh, been kind of building kind of commodity uh, trading platforms over the last kind of 25 years. So, you know, and obviously, you know, back two years ago, if you're familiar with kind of the, the blockchain space, it was kind of like, it was crazy. Like everything was being put on, you know, like a blockchain, you know, they're putting classical music to like everything. And, and, I, and I was saying to Rory at the pub one night going, oh, gee, this is a great opportunity um, because as we've realized and as we'll see going forward is the supply chain, um, not just grains, but any supply chain will be kind of the real early adopters of, of blockchain tech. You know, that, you know, that horrendous paper trail, many different participants on the blockchain, sorry, on the supply chain sharing information. And then also with kind of the clearinghouse, um, you know, smart contract kind of tech. Um, so it was kind of like a perfect idea, um, to kind of gel both the tech under the hood of grain discovery, but also, you know, the practical implications of bringing traceability and transparency to a very kind of opaque market, which unfortunately the uh, the cash market uh, still is. So what would you, I guess, how would you explain uh, if you say what is grain discovery in terms of a company? Are you a technology company? Are you still commodity traders? How would you define yourself? 
Well, we, um, I suppose, depending on who we speak to, <laughs> um, so, like, as we speak to farmers, like, we don't mention kind of blockchain at all, you know. Um, that's just, we just say, oh, yeah, that's just the tech under the hood. But, you know, we are, I suppose, an ag technology company. Um, you know, our, our main kind of goal is an online kind of marketplace, connecting buyers and sellers um, um, on an online platform. And, but also, so that was our, our initial kind of business idea. But then as we kind of learned and kind of understood the technology more and more, and as I mentioned before, you know, that the supply chain kind of traceability aspect of the blockchain is, is going to be like the real kind of early uh, use cases going forward. And, um, and so, yeah, so we are, I suppose, yeah, an online um, marketplace and, and an online cash grains marketplace and traceability kind of um, provenance platform, you know, tracking a product as it moves from, from A to B. Um, so I know without getting too much into it, because uh, explaining blockchain would probably take a really long time, but um, for some of our listeners that... <laughs> What's the Coles Notes yeah, version? <laughs> the, the short version of what it exactly is blockchain, just to give someone a bit of background. Yeah, you're right. So I suppose it could be a great, a great podcast another day, but I suppose... <laughs> You know the ten thousand foot view um, of blockchain. It's kind of, you know, it's just like an online ledger. And as we know, ledgers have been part of part of us um, for centuries. You know, if you you know going back to the clay tablets of Mesopotamia, right through to you know the double entry, you know, bookkeeping of Venice to you know spreadsheets, and and to now, you know, which is the distributed ledger uh, blockchain. So, you know, it's just like an online ledger for, you know, for record keeping and and data sharing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, each new kind of data, i.e. a grain contract or, um, or such is like is a block and it's just chained together, i.e. blockchain, mm-hmm. to the next kind of data, data point. So each organization, you know, are all kind of equal participants. Um, they both retain the ownership and control of their data and may elect to share information, you know, when it's, I suppose, beneficial to do so. I suppose one of, I suppose one of um, the issues, you know, people ask about blockchain is, oh, then can't everyone see my information, my data? No. You know, for instance, if you're, um, if you're a trader and I'm selling to like a flour mill, you know, the flour mill doesn't need to see my original purchase uh, contract from a farmer. They just see, oh, it's from farmer, farmer A in Prince Edward County. Um, so, yeah, do you want me to go on or is that kind of, um, yeah, so end of the day, it's just, you know, a simple online kind of ledger, um, which, you know, once the data has been inputted, it, 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 it can't be changed, you know, it can't be changed, I suppose. And I suppose for us, kind of, we kind of see, um, you know, why blockchain? So we use blockchain obviously for the provenance aspect of tracing a, a product as it moves through the supply chain um, and also for the clearinghouse aspect. So our banking partner um, runs a node on the blockchain and they kind of act as kind of like an escrow account, you know, for, um, you know, channeling funds in and out and so forth. But I suppose one of our bigger visions of kind of why do we use blockchain apart from those two use cases is kind of we believe it could be a new kind of co-op model um, going forward. So, you know, we see, you know, grain discovery is just one participant on that kind of that greater ecosystem 
whilst you know many others, and you know we just did a, a project with Canadian seed growers. You know, can we, you know, members on that kind of system, you know, mm-hmm. so forth, and you know, for like information sharing and so forth. You know, and it could be a great way, for instance, for seed growers to collect, you know, royalties or like government bodies uh, collecting kind of checkoff fees and so forth. Um. So, how did you first come to you could probably do this in a, a number of different industries using grains uh, and applying that to blockchain? Yeah, great question. So obviously, you know, the the supply chain uh, opacity and like inefficiency is not just immune to grains, yeah? Mm-hmm. It's kind of all, like most products. Um, but for us, I suppose we thought grains was a great low-hanging fruit because, well, obviously I've got um, experience in grains and, you know, the industry was really kind of, um, I think, you know, the grains industry is really at a crossroads in regard to kind of tech adoption, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when we kind of present our story on, you know, grain discovery, you know, we start off with, you know, I suppose agricultural tech adoption kind of goes into kind of two camps, you know, like all this, there's been billions of dollars poured into, you know, how do we grow a bigger and better crop. So think about, you know, the seed, the chemical, the fertilizer, the precision ag industries, you know, all the smart farm tech. You know, and nothing embodies, you know, this remarkable achievement than, you know, I suppose um, trend corn yield over the last kind of 60 years, more than triple, you know. And, you know, but however, once I've got this bigger and better crop, you know, then how do I market it for a better price, um, you know, for cash marketing? You know, and, and that's kind of moved at a more kind of glacial pace. It's kind of more like, you know, indicative pricing pushed out to clients via SMS and email, you know, execution still largely over the phone. You know, it's largely, you know, uh, farmers selling at the local cash board price at the, at, like at the elevator or co-op. And we kind of make a bit of a joke, but I suppose there's some elements of truth that, you know, some aspects of, of marketing your grain, like at least on the cash side of thing, hasn't, you know, has remained unchanged since our grandparents were farming. In fact, it was probably easier back then because it was one bar, you know, the wheat board. <laughs> um, so, you know, that's kind of our kind of, our niche is, okay, you know, this, you know, and we're, and we're starting to see a lot more kind of emphasis and money poured into kind of online kind of marketplace. You know, I think last year there was like $850 million invested in the space, but that was largely in the fruit and vegetables uh, sector. And generally, on you know, the grain and oil seeds um, industry, you know, lags that by somewhat. So, you know, we think it's 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 slowly coming. You know, especially over the last kind of five years, with you know margins in the toilet, uh, both from the farmer and the buyer. You know, from the buyer's perspective, they need to you know accumulate corn as cheaply as possible. And you know, when I was back home at Easter, back in Australia, my brother runs an elevator. You know, I was like like I was manning the phones, and you know. It, it was still unchanged since I was being a cash merchant 15 <laughs> years ago. It was still on the phone, you know, sharpening my pencil for the price, you know, writing out the contract, sending the contract out, you know, and we say, gee, you know, it's 2019. You know, can't some of these aspects be, be streamlined? You know, can't, you know, a live price be on a system? A farmer likes it. Yep, contract sent out. He can view all his tickets, all his contracts online, you know, some kind of centralised uh, location. It's funny how farmers have embraced technology in other areas in terms of the equipment they're using physically in the field. But when it comes to marketing, as you say, they're still using, you know, centuries old technology to sell. 
That's true. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, it's funny when you kind of, when you speak to, you know, quote unquote, uh, city people, you know, like, and they don't realize the adoption of technology on that kind of production side, you know, like you walk into a modern tractor cabin or a combine, it's like a spaceship in there, you know. Um, but, you know, once, as I said, you know, once, okay, once we've harvested this bigger and better crop, how do we merchandise and like market it more efficiently, you know? So yeah, that's our, you're right. So that's our kind of our niche, you know, but you know, it's, 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 it's changing, you know, that, you know, quote unquote, that information democracy of, you know, now, you know, a small scale farmer in Perth County has, you know, as, as much information as the big traders in Chicago, you know, they know exactly what's happening, whether, you know, fob prices in Brazil, export volume out of the Black Sea, you know, so those kind of margins that, you know, you know, big grain once had, you know, like they're not there anymore. And, you know, they need to really kind of shift to the new, the new landscape of, of accumulating grain, you know, and I suppose most traders now, you know, they make the money just on the blending and the logistics, not really on the trading anymore. So yeah, no, it's an interesting landscape we're, um, we're entering. Now, uh, Grain Discovery's been involved recently in a, in a bit of a pilot project involving the Canadian Seed Growers Association, um, and that was taking a look at how you can trace soybean seed from farm right through to the package of tofu that you're going to pick up in the grocery store. Can you tell us a bit more about that project and how that came about and, and what it deals with? Um, so that was kind of one of our, I suppose, our mandates is to kind of, you know, like how do we decommoditize the commodity, you know, and... You know, we, you know, as we know, you know, like modern ag is moving away from a pure, you know, like commodities business where its bushel of corn or soy is identical to, you know, a more of an ingredients business, you know, where consumers, um, well, consumers and food manufacturers demand kind of distinction and that provenance of the commodity. And, you know, and obviously with kind of blockchain, you know, we thought, you know, this is, you know, you know, by like utilizing blockchain of recording this kind of, um, this supply chain, you know, um, it could be great to a reduce the paper trail, um, you know, and associated time and cost, but also allows the supply chain to to tell the story, you know, um, you know how you know how this uh, grain was was grown and so forth. So, um, so we partnered up with um, Doug Miller at at the Canadian uh, Seed Growers Association and and obviously uh, Grain Farmers of Ontario. And we thought, you know, okay, this is kind of like a, a very small scale pilot in regard to, okay, does this technology kind of make sense um, for this kind of area, i.e., you know, tracing the product of the supply chain? So we kind of, um, so we partnered with, you know, those uh, companies, but also participants. So uh, Paul Kramer, uh, Beechwood Agri Commodities, uh, also Ying Ying Tofu, who are a great kind of family owned tofu company in Mississauga here. And I suppose, so each stage of that kind of supply chain um, was recorded on an app that we developed. Um, so it was kind of like GPS located, uh, time stamped. And so like recording that kind of product as it moves through the supply chain. So i.e. Um, the certified seed growers, um, the farmer, the elevator, the tofu factory, and then the wholesaler and so forth. And so then, you know, the consumer at, like at the end of the day, when they kind of buy this this product at the supermarket, they can you know potentially you know scan that QR code or, or enter the um, the website, and that whole kind of you know that digital passport is revealed. So they know exactly who's touched that soybean, 
um, like videos about you know each um, each supply chain participant. So you know, injecting more of a human element story of well, you know, there's more than just a single soybean that goes in the tofu. You know, there's a pretty complex and pretty interesting uh, supply chain. And and I suppose our and then also what was cool about kind of why blockchain also is that we could also if a if a consumer likes that product, you know, then you know they can actually tip the supply chain participant. So so we make a bit of a joke, you know, you know, gee, like instead of you know, tipping the waitress, you know, who walked 15 feet to deliver your food, like in the restaurant, you can now, you know, tip the farmer who spent six months kind of growing the damn thing, you know. <laughs> and, and yeah, and I suppose it's, you know, looking forward, it could be one way where where Canadian ag can can differentiate their stuff from their competitor, you know, and we believe extract a premium to not only access those premium markets overseas, but access those domestic markets. You know, and maybe in the future, you know, to to have your soybeans or corn going into this food manufacturer, you need this level of traceability. So if on the farmer's perspective, um, and we're talking about that uh, supply chain traceability system, um, how much involvement would that be on the farmer side of it? Like how what would they need to do on their farm um, to be included in in that traceability? So obviously, if, and for our next pilot, we're kind of... Um, so obviously for this first one, it was kind of like the data was just kind of manually entered like into the app. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the crop rotations, um, what was applied, the plant and harvest date and so forth. But kind of going forward um, um, with um, a technology partner based in, in Alberta, we're looking at extracting that real-time data, you know, i.e., you know, um, plant date, um, harvest date, kind of chemicals applied. So this information will be like automatically kind of um, hooked up from the precision ag equipment in that tractor or that um, air seeder, I suppose. I think that's a good thing that it's automated because we always like to joke that farmers love to do paperwork. So I think yeah, the yeah. more that it's automated, the more buy-in there's potentially to be by farmers. Exactly. And, as, you know, and, and if there's a premium at the end for like, doing this new layer of kind of I suppose it's not extra work but if you know if if, if they are signed on to this kind of single ledger i.e. kind of blockchain mm-hmm. then you know and the end buyer pays a premium then you know that trickles down to the to the farmer then yeah they um they'll be more inclined to do it but also it'll be just like automatically um read from their existing system but I suppose like the running joke is, you know, most, um, you know, like, like the, like the biggest planted crop in North America is zero, 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 which is, I think, the default code, uh, for the commodity in their, uh, planting equipment. So I suppose there is some element of, uh, of, um, of like education there. Yeah. But, but I suppose, you know, that, um, ties into their like agronomist and so forth. You know, but that's the thing we're kind of working out over the next 12 months. Mm-hmm. What works best? You know, uh, what's, you know, the easiest way to get this kind of data on there, which, you know, reduces the paper trail, but also reduces, you know, the manual fat finger kind of entry mm-hmm. and errors, I suppose, yeah. You know, and that's the thing with blockchain, you know, it hasn't been commercialized yet, you know, it's all kind of, you know, um, exploring it like like as we go. So that's kind of the exciting thing, um, you know, like about this technology as well, you know, as I said, you know, like hasn't been commercialized, you know, I think, IBM is, um, as we know, there's been a lot of food recalls with leafy greens, you know, throughout North America last year. 
and uh, I believe IBM uh, are insisting all their leafy green, um, you know, romaine lettuce and so forth, have to be on this kind of distributed um, ledger, you know, to, to have access to their system. Yeah, I guess that speaks then to how consumers can take advantage of this uh, sort of technology setup. When you mentioned romaine lettuce, I know that's always one thing that's in the news that people are concerned about because there's always those recalls. And, you know, is my my lettuce one of those ones that could potentially be contaminated or infected that I need to worry about? So from your perspective with this technology, how do you think it's going to be perceived or taken advantage of from consumers? With the uh, Walmart example, um you know, that was more kind of Walmart-led, you know, um, to, um, but, you know, uh, you know, that's it. You know, most, most changes happen to consumer-led, correct? And, and if it, you know, saves, if it saves the supply chain time in regard to, you know, product recall and so forth, well, you know, it's in their best interest to, you know, to, okay, how, how does this really kind of cut costs and how does this really pinpoint where the, contaminant or issue kind of occurred um yeah so you know i think um and yeah so consumers are like are demanding this level of of both provenance you know like going forward you know like i want to know the journey they want to know what chemicals we used they want to know is that supply chain sustainable you know and and not many people kind of like relate that to you know bulk commodities you know i.e you know yellow corn number two um, but, you know, it, it is shifting that way. What do you see, Rory, uh, will be the future of, uh, I guess, grain discovery? Uh, what are your plans going forward and, um, and blockchain maybe in general along with those plans? So we're kind of, for the traceability side, we're kind of working at, you know, continuing and expanding on that pilot, not just with the uh, the protein like the grain protein supply chain but also like the meat industry in Canada so there's some some exciting stuff going forward there this year but but for um, but I suppose for our online marketplace you know connecting farmers and seeing you know what the best prices are in their kind of catchment zone so we plan to kind of launch our product uh, later in the year mm-hmm. um, just before the corn harvest and so we plan to integrate our system with existing kind of elevator um, technology, you know, so there's no kind of double entry. There's no double entry into their system and double entry into our system, you know, like building that API bridge between our system and their system. So when you enter it into our system, it automatically updates um, their existing system. So, you know, we're, um, so a lot of kind of promotion and getting out there and talking to both farmers and supply chain participants, you know, okay, what's your pain points and how can we kind of possibly help you in, like, in the product that we're developing? You know, we don't want to develop this product in isolation. You know, like, we need as much feedback and support um, yeah, going forward as possible. But all going well, we've, we, we plan to launch in, like, in Ontario um, yeah, later this year. So it really sounds like the whole supply chain is going to benefit from this new technology with grain discovery. We've um, built this uh, not just to help, you know, the farmer, but also help all supply chain participants, you know, because obviously the farmer find it hard to, to find out, you know, where the best prices are and, and for, the, and for the, uh, like the elevator and the trailer, you know, they find it hard to actually accumulate uh, grain at a cheap price and this kind of, you know, like allows them to do that. 
Yeah, that's good for uh, transparency there. You know where you can go. Yeah, but unfortunately, not everyone likes price transparency, but everyone likes uh, supply chain traceability. <laughs> you know, and so that's what, you know, you, you, like you just can't build an online platform and expect people to to use it. You know, you're meant to offer many other kind of carrots to hopefully entice people to use a platform. You know, is it is it, you know, trading grain? Is it the, the supply chain traceability? Is it you know, like a data mark marketplace where you can kind of view, you know, what's happening, you know, from a macro and micro standpoint of price discovery. And if people want to find out some more information about Green Discovery, how can they do that? Are you on the web, on social? Yeah, so just go to greendiscovery.com um, and um, there's like some information about us and you can contact us there or you can actually just give me a call on 647 336-1051. Well, thank you for talking to us today, Rory, and we definitely look forward to, um, as this progresses, we'd be interested in hearing how it's going and uh, maybe get an update. Thanks a lot, Rory. Today on the podcast, we're joined uh, via phone call with our CEO, Barry Senth. Uh, he's out in the field in Saskatchewan right now. Um, so Barry, can you just start off by telling us a bit about um, what you're hearing about planting conditions so far this season? Well, Ontario, it's uh, it's not very good. Um, I talked to uh, one farmer this morning out uh, in eastern Ontario, and he was trying to get some uh, uh, spring wheat in. Uh, it was still too wet, of course, for uh, corn to go in, but uh, it is starting to get late for our farmers in Ontario uh, because of this wet weather. The forecast isn't the best uh, either. It was a nice, uh, we had one nice day over the weekend, and um, guys were getting itchy again, but um, there's forecast for some showers in the Guelph area tonight and in a general rain for, uh, for Thursday, so hopefully the... Uh, the forecast is wrong and we can get some guys into the field very quickly because time is moving on. And Barry, misery loves company. So what's it like out there in Saskatchewan? Well, it's uh, it's cold. When I started on the uh, drill this morning, it was minus four and um, it's warmed up a little bit, but it's uh, cold and dry. Um, so we're going to need some moisture at some point, but uh, right now it's... Um, uh, seating conditions are good, but we're going to need some moisture uh, very quickly. And Barry, one of the big topics this week, in addition to the weather, is obviously the uh, situation that's still ongoing with canola. And while canola isn't part of Grain Farmers of Ontario, obviously what happens in other parts of the industry affects us. What can you tell us as an update in terms of what's happening with the canola and the uh, cash cash advances that the government has announced? Well, the, uh, the canola industry have been asking the government to uh, increase the cash advance um, uh, because of uh, the issue being shut out of the uh, uh, Chinese market. And the federal government last week announced that um, that, that would, in fact, happen. They, uh, they increased the total amount, the aggregate amount, and then they also increased the, uh, the interest rate portion of the loan. Um, so that, you know, the canola industry uh, uh, received from the government what they were asking for. Um, we've been asked in the soybean industry if that's uh, something that uh, we would like. And, um, you know, from that perspective, I think it needs to be understood that, uh, you know, we're, we're likely in a full-fledged 
trade war. And while the cash advance or increases in the cash advance are good as a short-term issue, they clearly are that, a short-term uh, uh, fix. And, and maybe, maybe even if you wanted to be uh, um, cynical about it, um, you know, I've heard farmers and read some remarks of farmers out west saying, you know, we've got a bigger debt by increasing the cash advance with likely a, uh, a lower price commodity to, uh, to pay it off with. So what we're saying from a GFO perspective, given that we're in a trade war, the government should be funding, the federal government should be funding a trade war fund. And uh, it shows support to our farmers going into the growing season. Challenges they have, uh, uh, given the weather already, they don't need this on top of it, the uncertainty of, uh, of the markets, but that in fact is what they have. So the government should show, show their support to farmers by funding a trade war fund and ensuring our farmers do have a return uh, on the crops that they're putting into the ground uh, this spring. And I think you mentioned it a little bit, Barry, with that trade war. I know over this past weekend we heard some updates uh, with the U.S. and Donald Trump and China. Can you give us an update on what we're hearing right now uh, with the trade negotiations and how this might be affecting uh, Ontario grain farmers? Well, the, uh, you know, last week there was uh, some optimism that the uh, U.S. and China would come up with a trade agreement. Uh, those hopes were dashed over the weekend. Again, Trump uh, yesterday uh, tweeted that, uh, you know, there could be some more tariffs uh, in place for Chinese goods coming in. Uh, that, that, in fact, this morning has had some negative effects on the soybean market. And... Uh, you know, we're starting to see some lows that we haven't seen for a long, long time. So, you know, there's so much uncertainty in the in the market these days that, you know, any kind of comment at all, uh, given the uncertainty, is is likely to be a negative uh, uh, decision and not a positive one. Well, uh, thank you, Barry, for some of those updates. Uh, definitely really timely information. And thanks for joining us uh, from Saskatchewan in your cab today. Thank you, guys, and hope for some dry weather out there. Thank you for listening to our Grain Talk podcast. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. For more ways to connect with us, including the latest webinar, market report, and our e-newsletter, go to gfo.ca slash grain talk. A special thank you to our guests this week, Rory O'Sullivan and Barry Semph. If you like what you've heard today on the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Don't forget, five-star reviews help us reach more listeners.